The reading this morning is taken from Mark chapter 9, verses 42 to 50. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone was hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into hell, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. The overall theme for this morning is, are we willing to see as God sees and treat sin seriously? Are we willing to see as God sees and treat sin seriously? There's also a theme at the beginning of this passage of Jesus helping or using children to make a point to the adults, running through from the previous chapters into the first verse of our reading this morning. And in fact, if you read on into the next chapter 10, it comes up again. As Louis said last week, children in Jesus' time were not regarded in the same way we tend to regard children in our culture today. Children had a very low status and no prestige in Jesus' time. Then we ca- when we come to another mention of a child in the first verse of our reading. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Here Jesus is using the picture of children, little ones, as a description of people who believe in Jesus and try and follow him. He sees those of us this morning who try and follow Jesus as little ones, children. Eddie recently, in one of his talks, painted a picture of us being like little children compared to God's vast love and intellect and power. Now, we don't really understand the way God operates or thinks as as it's beyond us. But fortunately, when we follow Jesus, God gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us and help us to understand the Bible and understand God a bit better. Clearly, the disciples often didn't understand what Jesus was telling them. And we can see this throughout Mark's biography of Jesus. The disciples then, and we now, need to learn the lesson that God sees things differently to us in his upside-down kingdom, where the poor people of low status are rich, and the rich poor and where Jesus' followers are like little children, low in status and limited in understanding compared to God. Jesus says, If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, 
It would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. And good parents protect their children, don't they? Good parents want the very best for their children, don't they? And Jesus uses this picture here as he is our heavenly parent God and he will protect us little ones, us children of God, so that if anyone puts stumbling blocks in our way, if anyone tries to harm us and exclude us from following Jesus, then they'll have to face our heavenly, all-powerful Father who can easily deal with them in a most certain way. Now, I remember many years ago when I was young and I was being bullied by someone who lived round the corner from me. It made my life a misery for a while and I was scared. So eventually my parents decided to take action and they went with me to the home of the boy who was bullying and talked with him and his parents. The bullying then stopped and I'm always grateful to my parents for this. Some of Jesus' sayings were probably collected together here in these few verses when Mark wrote down probably Peter's recollections of Jesus. And the theme of stumbling continues here. Little children often stumble when they're learning to walk or run, don't they? We often want to reach out and try and stop them from falling and hurting themselves. So there are a couple of things to notice here. Jesus sees all of us disciples, followers of Jesus, like little children. People who are learning and developing, who need to be humble and trust him. We are not people who fully understand, who fully see God's ways. We get things wrong, like the disciples continually do in Mark's Gospel. So we need protecting from stumbling and falling, like children learning to walk and run. But the sad thing is that we can also be deceived and can cause ourselves to stumble too. So Jesus uses this picture of the body to help us understand our vulnerability to stumbling. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. If your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Well, if you're thinking of mutilating your body after hearing this, please don't. Please don't. I don't think Jesus means this literally. But he wants us to see how serious he is being about where we go wrong and can stumble. He's saying, treat sin seriously. Deal with it. And that may be uncomfortable for us. The thought may make us feel afraid. It may have a cost like cutting our arm or foot off or plucking out our eye. So Jesus uses this picture maybe to point out that we, his little ones, need to be protected by him. But also need to protect ourselves and others from harm by treating sin seriously. By treating sin seriously. And really... Sin is summed up in the reverse of the commandments we had in the confession that we we thought about earlier. Sin is when we don't love God and we don't love our neighbour. Sin is when we don't love as Jesus showed us how to love, so consistently in his words and actions. 
And we, we all know, really, we don't measure up to Jesus. He's so wonderful and loving, and we don't match up to that consistent love. And this picture of the parts of the body can help us reflect on that. We think about our hands. We can make something beautiful or useful with our hands, as Jesus did as a carpenter and in his whole life. Or we can give a comforting hand on the, the shoulder of someone in distress. Or negatively, we can hit others. We can eat or drink too much. We can steer a vehicle dangerously and harm others with our hands. Or if we think about our foot, we can walk to help someone, like the Good Samaritan in Jesus' story. Or we can walk past someone and not help them, like the religious people in that same story of the Good Samaritan that Jesus told. And if we think about our eye, we can praise God for the beauty of his creation around us when we look at it, or we can look around at what's around us and just see it as a source of making money or whatever environmental cost. We're not worried. We can look also at our wife or husband with love, or we can look at another person's wife or husband with lust. Now, if we do these things that are not what Jesus would do, then Jesus is saying to us, it's serious. He says we're in danger of disintegration, rotting pain. It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell, Gehenna, he says, where the fire never goes out. It's better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell, Gehenna. It's better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell, Gehenna, where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. So why have I been saying hell followed by Gehenna? Well, the word used in the original text is not hell, but is Gehenna. And Gehenna is based on the word Hinnom, which is a valley outside Jerusalem, which sadly had an evil past with child sacrifice practiced there. And the Valley of Hinnom then became a rubbish dump for Jerusalem, where the rubbish from Jerusalem was thrown out, burned, and worms ate the rubbish, which smoked and smouldered. So it became a symbol of hell for the Jews. It's a place of disintegration as the fire and the worms do their work. So Jesus is saying here, if we do things that are not what Jesus would do, then he's saying to us, it's serious. And he says we're in danger of disintegration, rotting and pain like Gehenna, the rubbish dump. We only have to look at war zones. If we look at broken relationships that are all too common, we can see that disintegration and pain are involved. And hell sadly starts in this life and Jesus wants, warns us away from it and encourages us to follow him and his way. He encourages us to seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Jesus, the loving servant king of kings. So are we willing to see that God sees and treat sin seriously. Now I just want to focus now on something that's probably 
mainly to do with our eyes causing us to stumble. It's to do with how we see other people. And I think it's a, a good example when we're looking at this passage. And I want to use Peter. Remember, it's probably his memories of his time with Jesus, which are contained here in Mark. And I want to use Peter as an example of how eyes caused him to stumble and don't always see clearly. And in this instance, it's to do with the issue of racism, which is very current at the moment. And this is based on a reflection I gave the PCC, the Church Council, recently. When I gave this reflection, I realised I've never talked in church about racism before. Or I think I may have mentioned it a couple of times in sermons over the 37 years I've been coming to St John's. But it occurred to me that this is very strange. Why have we never talked about racism before? Why have we never talked about racism in a more purposeful way over the years? For many of our congregation, this is a daily issue, and we haven't really focused on it. It's a serious issue that can easily cause us and others to stumble. And I want to focus, as I said, on Peter. Peter, who was Jesus chose to lead the first church in Jerusalem, was a Jew, And his racism against people who weren't Jews can reveal much to us today. Now, George Floyd's murder in America still shocks us. And recently, a black woman in Wales had a swastika daubed on her garage. She decided to leave it there to remind people of the importance of the issue of Black Lives Matter. Now, the Bible, Scripture is an incredibly honest collection of God-breathed writings. And it does not clean off the graffiti, so to speak, either. It leaves the faults and weaknesses of God's followers and others to be clearly seen. So let's look at Peter. He sometimes couldn't see what God was doing. He couldn't always see the lessons God was teaching him. And if you remember, on the day of Pentecost... Peter saw 3,000 men plus women and children converted. They became Jesus' followers on the day of Pentecost. Fantastic! And they were from many nations. They were from many nations. But Peter still has not quite seen the extent of God's love for all people from all nations, not just the Jews. He can't see. Everyone is invited to follow Jesus, even though all these people become Christians from all over the world in front of his eyes. Because if we jump forward to Acts 10, we find that because Peter didn't see clearly, this caused him to stumble because he continued as before, only mixing with Jews, not Gentiles. That's everyone else, probably most of us here today. Peter stumbled back into his old, comfortable ways. Do we ever do that? Is that us? So God took action. He sent him a vision. And in Acts 10, we read, God sends Peter an invitation via a Roman, non-Jew, called Cornelius, who wants Peter to come to his house. And God gives Peter a vision to convince him to go and mix with non-Jews and eat their non-Jewish food. 
So Peter went up on the roof to pray. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So then Peter did go to Cornelius' house because what he saw. And when he got there, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You're well aware that it's against the law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. Then, brilliantly, the Gentiles responded to Peter's message about turning to Jesus. And then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptised with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. After this, Peter did mix with Gentiles, non-Jews. But later, sadly, he reverts back to his racist ways. He goes back to what is culturally comfortable for him. Because we read in Paul's letter to the Galatian church and see how Paul opposed Peter on this issue. In Galatians 1, Paul writes, When Peter came to Antioch, which is a very multicultural city like London, Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James from the Jerusalem church, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid. He was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. And then the other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, You're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? So here, Peter's stumbling back into his old habits of favouring the Jews over the non-Jews actually caused others to stumble too. It had a knock-on effect. And Paul writes about the attitude of God that God has towards everyone and how he wants to see everyone uh, in, in the kingdom. In Galatians 2, Paul writes, So in Christ Jesus... You're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor there is male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So Paul says there is no division between Jew and Gentile. That's the truth of the gospel that God and Paul wanted Peter to understand. Paul felt Peter wanted to keep in with his PLUs, people like him, 
that was the Jews for him. He was overly influenced by them as he'd been brought up a Jew and he was afraid, afraid of what they might think of him if he mixed with people who weren't Jews. Peter was more worried about what his PLUs thought than those who were not PLUs, the Gentiles. And this worked against encouraging others to respond to the gospel. Maybe that's why I have never talked about racism in any depth in a service. Maybe I'm, a, I'm afraid it might create, create controversy. I don't want to upset anyone. I, I don't want to upset my PLUs, people like me. And it strikes me that scripture shows Peter stumbled when he didn't see clearly. But the encouragement for us is that despite Peter's stumbling and our stumbling, he still kept going. Because if you stumble, that doesn't mean you stop walking. And Peter didn't stop walking with Jesus through life. God worked through Peter in amazing ways to heal others and bring others to follow Jesus. So we should be careful not to stumble like Peter, who couldn't always see that Jesus welcomes all people from all nations. But we should also keep going like him too with Jesus. We can stumble and cause others uh, to stumble if we don't remember that what God teaches us and act on it, both in the area of racism and all other areas where we don't see, think and act like Jesus. And I think part of our problem, like Peter's, is that we're often comfortable with the way we've always thought and acted and seen things. So we can revert easily back to our unloving behaviour, forgetting God's way of love. We also might be afraid to stand out in the crowd of people like us if we do things God's way. So we blend in by adopting their attitudes rather than Jesus' way of love for God and neighbour. And if we want more and more people to come to faith and experience the love and justice of our King Jesus and his upside-down kingdom, then I think we all need to reflect on what the Bible can teach us through this example of racism and not forget our cultural biases that affect us, like Peter, so strongly that we can revert back to them without seeing what we're doing. So are we willing to see as God sees and treat sin seriously? Because Jesus said sin is serious, we need to take strong action so we don't cause other little ones to stumble. Jesus said sin is serious so that we have to watch out that we're not, uh, we're not afraid to take personal action in our seeing and thinking, our feet and our hands, our doing. And in this last part of the reading, Jesus talks a lot about salt, which brings out the flavour in food as well as preserving it. Salt is distinctive. It's a very clear taste. It brings out the good flavours in food and helps stop it rotting. It's the opposite of the rubbish dump, Gehenna really, isn't it? And, and Jesus says elsewhere in Matthew 5.13, his followers are the salt of the earth. We're meant to add flavour to life. We're to be distinctive as followers of Jesus, remembering what he says and not being afraid to sometimes stand out in the crowd. Not go with the flow of the people we know, even though that might feel more comfortable for us. We will then be used by God to bring out and preserve what is good in society. 
We should be distinctive in seeing everyone is made in the image of God, our loving creator, so that there's only one human race. There's only one human race. And therefore, as Paul says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus' final words in this section remind us, if we remember these things and are not afraid to be distinctive followers of Jesus, treating sin seriously, then peace will ensue. Have salt among yourselves, he says, and be at peace with each other. So, I'll say it again, are we willing to see as God sees and treat sin seriously? Let's pray. Let's reflect quietly on what God might want us to see this morning that might be causing us to stumble or others to stumble. It might be racism. It might be something else that God brings to our mind. And if you don't yet follow Jesus, then maybe use this silence to come to him and see what he says to you. Let's think in silence for a moment. Lord, we know we are like little children compared to you. We thank you that you care for us and protect us. Help us not to stumble or cause others to stumble. Help us to see things like you do and treat sin seriously. And if we don't yet follow you, Jesus, help us to trust, commit, and turn to the God who loves all and who died and rose to take away our sin. Amen.